Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Thankful to have everyone here today and everyone watching at home. Um, that last song is powerful. There's an army rising up. I've been hearing that for weeks. About two weeks ago, I was reminded of a, a show that I used to just have on in the background when I was traveling for work. Um, at the end of the day, you actually end up doing your whole day work because you've been traveling. And I throw this show on, and a couple weeks ago it hit me. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it's called Forged in Fire. And, you know, at first I didn't really know why this thought came to mind or anything. And I started looking into it. I come from a family of metallurgists. And um, if you've ever watched bladesmithing and stuff, it's pretty amazing stuff. But they, they do this certain type called Damascus, right? And they have this little box. And they put all these different various types of metal in this little box. And I thought of that of all, what are we putting in? To ourselves? What are we allowing in to ourselves? What impurities are going into this little box? Where's our focus, right? And in this little box, they heat it up, and they heat it up to 815 degrees Celsius, so in American terms, that's over 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. And they heat this up till it's just molten, one unified piece. All that crystalline structure uh, has now turned into, it's recrystallized into kind of this one structure. But in that process, there's a purifying it takes place. It burns off all those impurities in that, in that process. And at that point, they do this thing called a quench. And in the Bible, quench is referenced many different ways. But in this fashion, the quench is done by three different ways. It's either done by air, pneuma. It's either done by oil, or it's done by water. And if you put those in order, the air, you, saying that the Lord is your Savior, then there's a water baptism, and finally you are forged in fire in the Holy Spirit. So in this process, it just hit me that the church, we're, we're raising an army back up in this, and it's incredible what's taking place. And we're burning off all these impurities and all these impure thoughts and all these worldly things that we're allowing in our lives. We're reaching out, every single one of us can see this in our lives, and everyone out there has these same things. And until they go through this process, they cannot be cleansed. So it's our job to be the salt and light of the earth and to go out there and to bring them to this. So let's open today in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We exalt you, Heavenly Father. We thank you for all of the blessings and everything that you provide. And we just come to you and we ask and we just come to you in that we are the salt and light of the earth. You are raising up, you are cleansing, you are purifying your church, Lord, as an army is rising up. And we just thank you again for this time, for these blessings, for this ability to have church today. And we just ask that you come down as a vessel and speak through our pastor this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we have a Wednesday night men's, women's uh, group. Saturdays, we have prayer. And we just look forward to it. Say hello to somebody around you. Shake their hand. And let's get going. So two weeks ago, um, Pierce opened up. Pierce is the same fellow just opened up just now. And he was talking about being here on, on Saturday morning in prayer group and seeing all on the stage, such an abundance of oil that it was coming off the stage and going out through the congregation. And I heard him say that, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I didn't throw it in the garbage, and I didn't 
put it in the very front of my mind, I just put it on the shelf. And when you hear somebody speak something, a word of knowledge or something prophetic like that, and if, it, if it's like telling me I need to go enter a beauty contest, I can go ahead and tell you I need to throw it away. That's not prophetic. That's not from the Lord. But sometimes there's things you may not understand. Could be, maybe, possibly just put it on the shelf. And in time, God will confirm that to you in another way. Whether through Scripture, through prayer, or through another human being, He always does that. But sometimes He's already confirmed it before the other person speaks it. And then that is your basically final confirmation that, hey, this is for me. And that should be on the forefront of your mind, not on the shelf. And certainly not thrown away. Amen? When He spoke that about the oil, and it's powerful. It's way more powerful than I realized when He spoke it, when He said it. And I didn't even realize until about Wednesday morning that, that what the Lord was trying to reveal and show us. So I'm going to shift this morning and perhaps go a different direction than what we've been going. Amen? God's good. We need to be oily. We're going to talk about the oil. And you may not understand what is the oil. What is the oil? What is the anointing, the anointing oil that they use in the Bible? I don't even get it. This oil stuff you're talking about running off the stage. This here's a little bottle of anointing oil. There's absolutely no power in that oil. That's just some oil that somebody put in a cute bottle so you can put some on your finger and touch somebody's head. The power is not in the oil. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from God Almighty. There's a transfer of an anointing, a transfer of a power, and we'll talk about that as we get, go along this morning. But when he said about a vessel, we are vessels. And God's not calling us to be a dry, squeaky vessel. Not to be a skinny, dry, squeaky vessel. But to be a fat and oily vessel. <laughs> fat and oily. He's calling the church to be fat and oily. I mean fat and oily. Real oily. Just real oily. Pour it on your head, running off your beard, saturating your clothes, hitting the ground, your feet's in it kind of oily. Oily and fat. Fat and oily. You ever felt fat and oily? I'm not talking about the kind of fat and oily where you sit down and ate a whole slab of ribs by yourself kind of fat and oily. Or a whole chicken. I'm talking about a different kind of fat and oily. Fat on the Word. And saturated in the oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we are vessels. He's called us to be vessels. Fat, full vessels. Praise the Lord. And some of you are like, hey, man. I'm not talking about fat in your body. I'm not talking about this big old gut right here. That's all right, too. God loves you even if you're fat. It's a different kind of fat. It's a different kind of fat. Fat on the Word of God, fat on the Holy Spirit. And anyway, he, He's woke me up a lot of mornings. Last Sunday morning, which I get up a lot early, a lot on Sunday mornings. And the, last Sunday morning, I got up at 4.20. And then Monday morning, I got up at 3.37. And then Tuesday morning, I got up at 2.20. And then Wednesday morning, I got up at 12.22. And I never went back to sleep. I just got on the couch or got out of the kitchen table and started spending time with the Lord. And that Wednesday morning from 12.22 until about 6 when it's time to get, get dressed and go to work, in that five and a half hours, it seemed like about 15 or 20 minutes. 
15 or 20 minutes with the Lord. I'm telling you, it flies by fast. And my whole living room was so full of the anointing, and I'm praying, I'm reading the Word, and I listen and pray and read, and I, I, I was crying and, and all a whole list of emotions. It was just very powerful. It was really good. I felt like if I was at a level 2 in my walk with the Lord, I just I, Wednesday morning I went from a level 2 to a level 3. Like I just went to a whole, another step in the ladder, so to speak, and just saw things a little more clearly than I had before. Amen. It's good. And He can show up in your living room. He can show up in your kitchen in the middle of the night and you won't sleep, but yet you'll still be refreshed. And then the next day when He finally does let you go to sleep, you'll sleep and you'll get a, a, the best night's sleep that you've ever had in your life. I was telling my wife about it. The Lord woke me up at 2.22, kept me up all night. And she says, well, He must know that you need to sleep at some time. And I said, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. I think the Bible tells us that somewhere. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I got enough downloaded in those few hours to preach a whole week's seminar. I hope you packed a lunch. If you didn't, Pierce did. He will share his with you. <laughs> now, I hope I don't have you here that long. But I don't care about that clock right now. And you shouldn't either. 2021 is, you know, 2020 was supposed to be a tough year, but really 2021 I think has been harder on people. It's been tougher on people. I've seen more pain in 2021 and more of a crushing and more of a rejecting from people, even all the way to the rejection of who should be our president. And when he was rejected, whoever voted for him was rejected too as well. And I'll tell you who else was rejected. God was rejected. He's the only one that stand up in front of the nation and say, I serve God and what Easter is and what Christmas is. Truth. We might have just got kicked off Facebook or YouTube. I don't really give a rip. Amen. But a year of rejection. In 2020, before I even realized it was 2020 vision, I had said that this was going to be a year that our eyes were going to be open and we were going to see clearly. And then after I said that, I was like, hey, 2020 vision, that's cool. Well, it wasn't just something cool, it was something real. But for 2021, he never really told me anything what the year was for. And I said, this year has been full of a crushing, a smashing. It's been a painful year for a lot of people. You experienced a lot of hardships, hard times. People have gone on to be with Jesus and left your life it's been a tough year and I'm glad that before 2021 came around the corner he didn't tell me just tell everybody this is going to be a really hard year that's not really too encouraging is it get ready it's going to be the worst year of your life it has been the worst year of a lot of people's lives and even though God has uh, blessed myself with uh, an abundance of work. It's still been a difficult year in other areas because I've seen uh, people in my congregation and my friends and other people suffer and I suffer with them. When one of your sheep gets led astray, it, it, the shepherd, it hurts. You feel it. Not for a day. You feel it for a while. Amen. Let me go to 
1 Samuel. I'm going to read a little. I don't really know what I'm going to get into. I have just gave Jackie a bunch of scriptures, and we're just going to see which way the Lord goes. I want to explain to you something about the anointing. I want you to see what Samuel went through. The Lord showed me what Samuel went through. The Lord showed me how he spoke to Samuel, and I felt like he was talking to me through Samuel, telling me to do the exact same thing as he told Samuel to do. And I believe he's speaking the same thing to you this morning. Amen. This isn't just some word I concocted up. This is fresh. I mean fresh. I'm talking about not stale, left over from last year or something. This is fresh, straight, straight, straight from the throne room. You hear me? Fresh. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his son judges over Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 8, made his son judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And there were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel. So, his sons were not walking in his way. Samuel had been pouring out his oil. He's a godly man. He's a prophet in the nation. And his sons do not follow in the ways of Samuel. And so the nation came to him and said, Look, you're old. and Your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. We've seen all the other nations. They have a king. They have parades. And they have an inauguration. And we want to be like them. And God wanted to be their king. That's the way He designed it. Let me be your king. But they said, No, we don't want a king. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we want a human being. We want somebody who raises us up a king so we can inaugurate, so we can have all the things that go along with it and all the parades and all these things. It says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, that they've not just rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And according to all the works which they've done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. So don't you see Samuel right here is pouring it out. He is pouring it out to his sons. He is pouring it out to his the entire nation of Israel. And then his sons have re rejected what he's poured out. They've rejected him. They said, no, we're not like you. And then the entire nation says, we're not like you either. And they have rejected him. He said, just give us a king. Samuel was rejected once, twice. Some of you have been rejected. and You've poured out all you've got and you feel like you can't pour anything out and you've done all you can do and you keep doing it and you just keep getting rejected perhaps by your sons, by your friends, by your spouse, by your family, by your co-workers. I don't know who it is. But people in here know what it feels like to be rejected. You've poured out all you can. You just don't feel like you can pour out anymore. And that's where Samuel's at. It says, Kish had a son named Saul, a handsome man. That's going to be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Now, Kish is the son of Saul. And so, I mean, Saul's the son of Kish. It says he's a handsome man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. And in, that's the NIV version, and I'm not even sure why I told her to put that particular description in the NIV. But in the New King James, or perhaps the King James, it says he was choice. He was choice. I mean, that is a choice dude right there. It's choice. That's the best. 
there isn't any better. He's tall, a head taller, head and shoulders above the rest. He's tall. You know he was dark because they're all dark over there in that part of the country. He's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, he's choice. That's the appearance that he had. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, and we're skipping on down the 17th verse for the second time, but we'll be here for hours. So Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke to you, this one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel. See, Saul was out looking for his daddy's donkeys. His daddy's donkeys ran off, and kids said, go find my donkeys, boy. So he took a servant with him. They went out looking for these donkeys. They'd been looking for them for three days. I can't find them. And, and then his servant says, well, there's a man of God right over here. Why don't we go ask the man of God, and perhaps he can send us in the right direction. Isn't that crazy that they're just out looking for some old donkeys that ran off, and then they look who they meet? Kind of like David's just going carrying some cheese and some bread to his to his brothers, and guess what? He ends up defeating a Goliath that day. Amen. Just be obedient to your daddy and do what he tells you to do. Earthly and heavenly. Because you never know where it's going to lead you to. Lead you into your future, into your purpose, into the God's plan, into your destiny. Amen. Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the... I'm the seer, which means I'm the prophet. Go up before me to the high place where you shall eat with me today and tomorrow. I will let you go and I'll tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys, they were lost for three days. Don't be anxious about them. They've been found. And on whom all the desire... This is what I want you to get right here. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and your father's house? In other words, he's saying, this is what's fixing to come. You fixing to be the man right here over the entire nation. You, you it. Head taller, head and shoulders, tall, dark, handsome, and choice. And God has sent you to me. Is it not on you and all of your father's house? But Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite, Benjamite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you speak like this to me? That just rang volumes to me when I read it because everybody else saw him tall, dark, handsome, and choice, head and shoulders above the rest. The girls thought he was the hottest thing ever, and you know the men were intimidated by him because he was such a big, tall, good-looking dude. But on the inside of his heart, he said, Why do you look at me like that? My tribe's the weakest, my tribe's the smallest, and of all the tribes, my family out of the tribe we're the smallest and the weakest I'm really a nobody how many men go through life like that they look like they got it going on on the outside they even act like it they give off the persona but really on the inside they're hurting they're crying out they don't think much of themselves that's what was in his heart he didn't think much of himself but we read here that God gives him a new heart and God will give you a new heart just the same. Amen. Then Samuel, in the 10th chapter, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, It's not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Is it not because he has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And then he gives him some instructions and he tells him where he's going to go and people you're going to run into. You have to just read it. Skip on down to the fifth verse. After that, after what? After he runs into the people and they got some food and stuff like that for him. He says, you'll come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you've come there to the city that you'll meet a group of prophets coming down from a high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them and they will be prophesying. They'll be prophesying. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. You want to know what the anointing, oh, what the anointing of God will do? It will turn you into another man. See, things you can't do without it, you can do with it because things are impossible with man, but nothing's impossible with God. It'll turn you into another man. You think you can't throw strikes with the anointing on it, you can throw strikes because God wants to give you a platform that you can use for Him in the college or at MLB. Amen. There's things you can't do without the anointing. He will turn you into another man. You're a man that don't have faith, don't believe, don't think you can lead, don't think you can do this, that, or the other. The anointing will turn you into another man. It'll turn you into the man that God's called you to be, created you to be, the man He needs for you to fulfill the plan and purpose on your life. That's the man that the anointing will turn you into. You can walk in broke, busted, and disgusted, and you can run out leaving here better than you came in because you're full of the Holy Spirit because somebody put some anointing oil on you. Praise the Lord. It'll turn you into another man. It turns Saul into another man. He wasn't nobody. He was the weakest. But now he's somebody. In fact, he's so somebody, he's the king of the entire nation. It turned him into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that on the occasion demands, get that that on the, as the occasion demands, any, every situation as the occasion demands, not when you feel like it, not when it looks good, as the occasion demands, obey the Lord. God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I'll come down to you and offer a burnt offering and make sacrifices of peace offering. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. <clears throat> he says, as the occasion demands, then he says, go down there and wait for seven days. So it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass, that when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened, <clears throat> that when all that knew him formerly saw him, saw that indeed he prophesied among the people, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul now among the prophets? Even the people that <clears throat> used to know him said, What in the world's happened to him? He's not the same guy that I remember. Now he's prophesying with the prophets. The same thing will happen to you. You can live your life of sin and addiction and whatever it is you got going on. You can come up into church you, or you can do it in your living room and the anointing can come on you. The Holy Spirit can fill you. And all of a sudden now you become another man that people don't even recognize you anymore because they're like, that's not the guy he used to be. Who is this guy raising his hand to church? Who is this guy praying? Who is this guy leading his children as a man of God now? Who is this man who's tithing? Who is this man that's coming to prayer group? Who is he? There's something different about him. I'll tell you what the difference is. It's the oil. He got fat and he got oily. Fat and oily. You got to get fat and oily. You gotta get oily. Oil's here. Oil, he has provided fresh oil. You're not looking for it. It's here. It's here. You've come to the right place. It's here. The oil's here. Praise the Lord. But then he waited for seven days. You remember he said, wait seven days. As the occasion demands. Wait. But things didn't happen as quickly as Saul wanted them to. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering, a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. 
Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and saw, went out to meet him, that he might greet him. Samuel did come on the seventh day. He just didn't come early in the morning on the seventh day when Saul thought he should show up. How many times are you waiting on God to show up and do something in your life and he don't come up quick enough, fast enough on your time and then now we're going to take matters into our own hands? And then after you make a train wreck of it, it's like God shows up and says, why didn't you wait? So he just does Samuel's, he just does Samuel's job for him. That's not Saul's. Saul can't, he's, he can't do Samuel's job. That's Samuel's job. He's the one that's the burnt offerings. But see, all the people are scattering. All the people are talking. All the people are worried because now, oh my gosh, we're going to get attacked and we're going to get killed by this army. I thought God was going to show up and Saul's got to do something. So he just takes matters into his own hands. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, that you did not come with me, the days appointed, the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down to me to Gilgal, and I'll be made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled, and I offered a burnt offering, basically the same thing I just said to you. And then Samuel says to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel, but now your kingdom shall not continue the Lord has sought for Himself another man after His own heart. And the Lord has commanded Him to be commander over the people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I've got too many scriptures on here. I'm going to have, you got to just trust me. He messed up. He messed up. And then... I'm going to read a couple right here. 15th chapter, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. And he's talking about the Amalekites. And he's, he's telling him what to do. And then we're going to go down to the third verse. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Completely destroy everything that looks like an Amalekite, kill it. If it smells like an Amalekite, kill it. If it talks like an Amalekite, kill it. If it's an animal, I'd wipe out them off the face of the earth, kill them, dead. That seems kind of tough, doesn't it? But there's a rep representation of what the Amalekites represent. And Saul goes in there, basically he's saying, listen, you've done messed up once. I'm anointing you. Go fight the Amalekites. Utterly destroy them. He goes in there and he saves the king. He saves all everything that's choice, everything that's valuable, all the money, all the animals. He, saved, he did not obey the Lord. He didn't do what he said. So then Samuel comes and he finds, he hears all this bleeding of all these animals. And he said, what in the world is this? And who's this king? And will you save the king and you're supposed to destroy him? And he's like, no, God's going to lift his anointing off of you. And he takes king, and he kills him. He chops him up himself. The king of the Amalekites. And kills him. He does the job for him. But I want you to see here, after all this takes place, on the 16th chapter, 
Now Samuel's poured out everything he's got on his kids. He's poured out everything he's got on his family. He has served the Lord. He has loved the people. He has loved his kids. He loved Saul so much. He loved him like a son. He poured out into him, poured out into him, poured out onto him, led him by the hand. I'm telling you, he loved him. And he was rejected by his sons. He was rejected by the whole entire nation. And now he's rejected by Saul. Because you remember God says when they reject me, they reject you. So he's rejected. And that's the place he's in. A place of mourning because he's been rejected. And there's people here this morning that have been mourning in 2021 because somebody went on to be with the Lord or maybe because you were rejected or you're just mourning because things didn't go the way you thought they are to go in your life or the way you foresaw things are happening. Just in a place of mourning. And sometimes you just start running low. You just start running low. You just start kind of running on empty and you just don't have any more to pour out. And I feel like that's where Saul was at in his life is he's just running low. Not Saul, Samuel. Where he's just running low. And the Lord says to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing how I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons, which was King David. But I'm not going to get into all that with King David. I want you to see right here. He says, How long will you mourn? Fill your horn. How long will you mourn? Fill your horn. How long will you mourn? You've got to fill your horn. And that's what the Lord was showing me this morning because I've, I've had a lot going on in my life. I know some of you are busy and perhaps more busy than me. But I work for myself and I have employees and I have subs and I have uh, both good and bad customers. I'm the pastor of this church. Sunday comes every week regardless. And uh, me and another fellow named Stick who's up there in the sound both ordinarily, we have a racing series called, uh, uh, what's it called, Sika. I forgot the name of it. Dear Lord Jesus, help me. And we go out, we put on dirt bike races where six, 700 people will show up and we're kind of responsible for the whole thing. So you know what? Life gets full. And on top of that, I have four children and they like to do things too and at the end of the day my wife likes to see me sometimes too and I like to see her so life gets full and people get sick and people pass and you pour out and you do all you can you pray and you weep and you you you, you cry with people and you you're just doing all you can do and you kind of feel like Samuel right here that's kind of how I was feeling I didn't even realize it I feel like I was just in that place right there where God was saying, how long will you stay right here? It's time to fill up your horn with oil and go. Fill up your horn with oil and go. Amen. Here recently we were at a dirt bike race. And my son, Walker, was racing and he was doing very good. He was on his way to a podium and his class that he races in is stacked with lots of people and it's no small feat to get a podium. You have to be on your game to get on the podium. So he is doing really good that day. He's just letting it eat as we like to call it and he's on his way to a podium and he trusts and relies on me of course to give him advice as far as how much and when he should put gas in his dirt bike but I thought he would make it and I was wrong. So he ran out of gas on the last lap. And he was on the way to the podium, but he ran out of gas, and now he's out stranded in the woods with no gas and no podium. And sometimes in life, we're like that too. You need to stop and fill up. He should have stopped and filled up. And he would have went on to the podium. And sometimes in life, you've got to stop and fill up. I felt weak 
I felt tired. I felt beat down. I felt battered. I felt empty. I didn't know what to do. I told my wife, I'm feeling a feeling I've never felt before. It's not a physical tired. It's some other kind of different kind of tired. I thought it was an emotional thing. And then I realized that my horn needed some oil in it. Because I was running low on oil. And see, you can't do things, you can't operate things like I'm talking about without the grace of God. See, it's the anointing that uh, turns you into a different man. It's the anointing that strengthens you and makes it capable, makes you capable, makes it possible for you to do things otherwise you can't do. If you're a recovering alcoholic, you can't go to a party where everybody else is drinking and say, no, thank you, unless you got the all. Then it's easy. Because you found something better. See, this fat, oily thing is way better than the old Michelob Ultra Light. Hey, I'm sweating. I don't know about y'all. Bump that thermostat down about 68. And this one over here too. Run that thing down, Jason. Hope about 68 over there. I'm fat and oily, but I, won't be, I don't want to be sweaty fat and oily. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He, he gave us air conditioning, didn't he? Full of oil. Get full of oil. Have your cup full of oil. Your horn full of oil. Your flask full of oil. You need oil. It's the Holy Spirit. Representation of the Holy Spirit. I hope you understand that. In Deuteronomy, the 33rd chapter and 24th verse. And Asher, he said, Asher is the most blessed of sons. The most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze as your days so shall your strength be. You'll be as strong the rest of your life. As long as your days are, that's how long your strength will be. Let's back it up. And he said to Asher, let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his foot in the oil. See, this is right here. He's, Moses is releasing blessings over the 12 tribes. Moses on his deathbed stands up and he, he speaks a blessing over the 12 tribes. Before the 12 tribes, it was Jacob who was, is really Israel. And Israel speaks a blessing over his 12 sons who then became the 12 tribes. So these sons have been blessed by their father, Israel. Now they're being blessed by Moses. And it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting to me that both of them at the end of their lives, after it's all said and done, have enough strength to stand up and bless their sons before they die. And that speaks to me. That should speak to you, fathers, that you need to bless your son before you die. You need to bless them. They've seen you curse their mama, but have they seen you bless anything? Huh? That's what men are supposed to be. Supposed to be a blessing. Supposed to be pouring out our oil on our kids. We only get one shot at it. I know we want to protect them kind of like Moses' mother protected her, him as long as she could, but then there come a point in time where she had to send him down the stream. I want to protect all my children as long as I possibly can. I'll get up early and even follow them to work to protect them because I'm that protective. But I realize there's only so much I can do and I can just keep pouring it out and keep pouring it out. But at some point in time, i got to send them down the river and I don't want to send them down the river without the oil. Now I've only got a certain amount of time to bless them. And Moses blesses them. Oil represents as oil he's talking about 
Asher, we talk about the line of the tribe of Judah and a lot of other tribes, but the, the, the tribe right here, Asher, is the most blessed with, with oil and the land was at the, uh, the sea. It was near the Galilean region and it was just so rich. The soil was rich and it produced so many olive trees and these olive trees were so rich with oil that had so much oil that they bathed and put their feet in it. Oil was something very precious. You didn't have a lot of it. You kind of held it like... I only have a little bit. I can't share this oil because I only have a little bit. Remember the, the widow woman with her son? She only had a little bit of oil. Remember the ten virgins? They didn't have their oil. Oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you don't have any. You can't give any more. You can't give any more unless your horn's full. You've got to be full before you can give it out. But he says he's full. He's full. These olive trees are producing 15 gallons of olive oil a day. This is the land of Asher. This is one of the tribes. Everything that was spoken of those tribes belonged to you and to I because of Jesus. We're not a part of one tribe. It's all 12 tribes. It's the bloodline. And Jesus was in the bloodline. And guess what? He spread His arms and shed His blood so that all His blood would be on you and me and on every man, woman, black, white, yellow, red. It don't matter. The blood's on you. You're in the bloodline. So this blessing right here, this all is upon you. So much oil, they says, let him dip his foot in it. That's what rich folks did. Yeah. Dipped their feet in the oil. That's how rich they were. And this oil he speaks of represents the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you right now that you can have church without it. You can have church without the oil. People go to church every week and have church without the oil. You can be so polished and so organized and so prepared and everything runs so smooth and so perfect. You can have church and be successful at having church and growing and getting members in there. You can do it without the oil. But I'd rather have church right here with a hundred with the oil than five thousand without it. Because if you don't have the oil, things aren't going to be broken off, off your life. Addiction's not going to be broken off your life. Marriages aren't going to be healed. Your body's not going to be healed. You're not going to be delivered. You're not going to be set free. It's the all. You got to have the all. We got to have the all. Do I need the all to go to heaven? Do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? No, you need the all to go to Walmart. You've got to have the Holy Spirit when you go to work. You don't need to leave home without it. Forget American Express. You don't leave home without Jesus. You've got to have it. And God's wanting to pour out fresh oil on this house, and that's what, that's what Pierce saw is fresh oil. Wasn't old stagnant oil. Wasn't crude oil. Wasn't oil that can be used for anything else. It was fresh oil, the fresh oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that He's wanting to pour out on this house. And there's no power in this. Oil in a bottle is a representation on the outside of an inner grace. Something happens on the inside. Amen. You may have an air fryer. You got air fryers. I've got an air fryer. It's replacing my old air fryer. 
my old fire burn, air fire burned up. So Jackie ordered a new one. Just sitting on the counter. Nobody's used it yet. Praise the Lord. What an air fryer does, it replaces oil. We used to get this, we still do, we just did it this week. We used to get this pot and we'd fill it full of oil. You turn the gas on, and it's boiling, that oil's boiling, it's hot and boiling, and you drop your chicken fingers in there, they're frying, they come out crispy and brown and mighty tasty. Anything fried in grease is good. You put it in that oil, you put some Oreos. We just start frying stuff. One time we just start frying everything we could find in the house. We're frying Swiss cake rolls. We're frying vegetables. We're frying Oreo. We're frying anything. We're frying everything. Frying gummy bears. Let's fry it. You, you could go out in the yard and scoop up a dog nugget and fry it and it'd be good. That's the truth. You can put it in that oil and it's good. See, the oil changes it, doesn't it? See, Oreo's pretty good until you throw it in the oil and you come out and put some powdered sugar on it. Now it's even better. It changes it. It's just an old chicken finger frozen. It come up here from the meat store. But you throw it in the oil and then all of a sudden now it comes out. We're going to put some cheese on it, some pickles on a bun. Think your Chick-fil-A is good. <laughs> they take that chicken at Chick-fil-A and they fry it in peanut oil. Praise the Lord. But you take this air fryer, and what this air fryer is supposed to be more healthy because it takes place of the oil, and it's not as messy. You just throw your chicken in there, and you shut the door on it, you set the timer, and now this cooking, this chicken is cooking, it's being cooked by hot air. Hot air has now replaced the oil. And a lot of churches, the oil has been replaced by hot air. It ain't as good. That chicken's not as good as it is when you throw in that hot oil. And church is not as good without the oil. And so many churches are full of hot air. I'm telling you, hot air, not calling out, picking on other churches. I love other churches. I've got friends that preach at other churches, and I preach there, and, and, and different things we talk during a weekly basis. We pray for each other and all those things. But I'm just telling you, a, a, a smoke machine is not relevant to a blind man. A blind man comes in and a smoke machine or a fog machine, whatever you call it, is not relevant. What's relevant to him is he says, I'm blind, but can you introduce me to a man that can open my eyes so I can see? See, relevance to somebody that's heartbroken is somebody that he comes into church and relevance is not a big screen or a cool video or some cappuccinos out there. That's not relevant. What's relevant is my heart's broken, but I need somebody that can mend my broken heart. Can you enter Introduce me to him. I'm sick in my body. I don't care uh, about the donuts out there and about how if somebody could drive me to the door in the golf cart, whatever. I just need somebody to introduce me to the healer. And not knocking any of those things. Big screens are cool. I'm not really understanding what the whole smoke machine's all about. But anyway, maybe they're trying to pretend like they're on Mount Sinai or something and there's a smoke coming down. I'm not sure, but. because we got to be practical. i got to be what's cool. I'm all about cool. I mean, I am cool. <laughs> I am. I am cool. You know why? Not because of a stamp that anybody put on my back when I was in high school. 
but because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that makes me cool. Amen. But I got a stamp on my back in high school that did say cool, by the way. <laughs> Just clearing that up. But that don't, that's not what makes you cool. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. Amen. These olive trees that were there and they were thick in that land and they produced all this oil, you know, they would get the olives and the olives had to be crushed. It had to be smashed. It had to be crushed. Crushed, 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 smashed, smashed, smashed. And some people feel like they've been crushed and they've been smashed. But when you crush the olives, guess what comes out of them? An anointing oil. Something new comes out of them. Something fresh comes out of them. Something sacred comes out of them. And say, you've been smashed and you've been crushed and you've been rejected, but guess what? It's producing something in you that's going to come out that wasn't there before. So your pain hadn't gone to waste. There was a reason for it. God's producing some sacred oil in your life. Amen. A fresh oil, a fresh anointing. I'm excited. I'm excited about what he's doing and what he's sharing and what he's showing and what's going to happen. I know it's cheesy to say God's fixing to do something, but I'm telling you right now, God is not fixing to do something. He is doing something. Anybody can say, well, he's fixing to do something. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm fixing to do something myself. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. This oil I'm talking about can break what you can't break. This oil can break an addiction that you can't break. This oil can heal a marriage that you can't otherwise heal. This oil can heal a body. This oil can amaze people. The doctors can say, we thought it was too late. What in the world's happened? People can say, we thought that relationship was too far gone. My goodness, we are absolutely amazed. What happened? I'll tell you what happened to all. Because the all can make you uh, capable of doing things otherwise you couldn't do. Praise the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, by the Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. In Isaiah, did you go back and add Isaiah on there? I sent it to you. If you didn't, then... 20 lashes. <laughs> 20 lashes for every scripture that you didn't put on here. Did you put it on there? Didn't? Okay, I just want everybody to hear that. She did not do it. It don't matter. I got it right here. Got it right here. It's not on the screen. <clears throat> but you invest in a Bible. And then you can follow along right there where you're at. You don't need a screen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Best-selling book of all time. Get you one. Anyway, here we are. Isaiah, the 10th chapter, 27th verse. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And who's got an NIV? NIV, it says, the, the, the yoke will be destroyed because of the what? The fat. I'll tell you what it says. It says fat. Yours says oil, hers says fat. The anointing, the yoke's going to be broken because of the fat and oil. That's why you got to get fat and oily. God ain't coming back for no air fried church. He's not coming back for no air fried church. He ain't coming back from no string being skinny, waving the white flag church. He's coming back for a fat and holy church. 
I can't fill your vessel. You tell you how I got my vessel filled this week? I got up early. I stayed in the Word. I read. I prayed. I cried. I sang. It was ugly, but I did it. See, that's, we put too much emphasis on the sound of a voice. Forget that. Michael Jackson had a good sounding voice, but Thriller and Beat It never got nobody saved. Amen. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. An anointed song, an anointed voice, an anointed sermon, an anointed teaching, an anointed person. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It ain't talents. He was talented. He could do the moonwalk. It was very impressive. But nobody came to the altar and gave their lives to Christ when he did the moonwalk. Not knocking Michael Jackson. I hope he got saved. I hope he's doing a moonwalk right now in heaven. That'd be pretty cool. Just beat it. Anyway. I like that song. I was in second grade. Give me a break. So, they should play it up there at the skating ring. Y'all remember? Y'all liked it too. Sad, isn't it? Very sad. Where was I at? Isaiah 10, 27. So what he's talking about here is Israel is actually in bondage to Assyria. Assyria. Israel, God's people, they're in bondage to Assyria. Assyria uh, thinks, I mean, they think they... Well, basically, they think they're God and they can't be defeated. That's who Assyria thinks they are. They don't care about the things of God because they think they're God and they can't be defeated because we're so mighty. And the children of Israel, that's who he's talking about, has this yoke of bondage around their necks. The children, they're, they're slaves. And many people in here feel like that this morning, like you've got a yoke around you. You've got a burden. You feel like you're a slave to an addiction or a slave to the past or a slave to condemnation or a slave to a marriage situation or whatever it is. These people were so mean and so vile. They thought they were gone. They thought they couldn't be defeated. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it reminds me of the current government we have right now. They think they're God. They don't need God. They think they can't be defeated. And many people feel like they have a yoke around your neck because of it. And guess who's got the reins on the yoke? The Assyrians. And you go wherever they tell you to go. When the yoke's around your neck, you don't have a choice. They're holding the reins. When Satan's got a yoke around your neck, he's holding the reins. That's why the yoke's got to be broken. And the only thing that'll break the yoke, what, what Isaiah's saying here is, enjoy it while it lasts. Because there's another one coming. Somebody rising up, he's talking about Jesus. And he's saying, guess what? This yoke's going to be broken from your neck. It's going to be broken off your neck. By what? Because of the anointing oil. Because of the fat. Because these people are going to get so fat with the anointing. Oh, that net's going to swell up and it's going to break the yoke. It don't fit no more. Amen. Praise the Lord. Fat and holy. Fat and holy. The yoke's going to be destroyed because of fat. Israel... Is a, he's showing is that they're an ox that couldn't break free. An ox that had the yoke on it. Whoever's got the reins of the ox is directing them. And you know what broke the yoke? Was the anointing oil. Was the Holy Spirit. That's why I always say it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And many people don't know what that means. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Not only does it break the yoke, it destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. Praise the Lord. 
He ain't coming back from no skinny church. Put that air fryer up. An air fryer church. An air fried church. You know, when you come in here, it ought not be the same as going to Jordan Hare, Bryant Denium. Bryant Denium, Bryant Denny Stadium. It shouldn't be the same as going to Driver Stadium. It shouldn't be going to the, what's that new one down there? The Protective Stadium. <laughs> good name, because you need protection to go down there to that stadium. But anyway, <laughs> you need protection out there for your cars. You come out and the wheels and tires be gone. <laughs> That's the truth. It's the truth. It's, it's, it's not a great city. There needs to be some protection. It's got to be different when you come into church. You got to come into church. You got to leave out oily. You can't come leave out here air fried. Get them air fried chicken fingers out, and they're not oily. It's like, oh, this is more healthy because it's not so oily. True, true. But the Bible says to get fat and oily. I don't want no air fried church. You shouldn't either. Focus on the practical. I just need seven steps. Seven-step program to heal my marriage. You need a seven-step program to heal your marriage, but the reason your marriage is jacked up to begin with because there wasn't no oil in it. It's not seven steps that you need, it's the oil that you need. Seven steps of walking in health. It's not seven steps you need. It's just one step. His name is Jesus. You just need the all. And seven is the number of completion. I know there's some great books that are written, seven steps of this, seven steps of that, and I'm sure they're all great and wonderful. But the way I read the Word of God, there's just one step. Just one. Just one. We go around and one and hit the other seven that some man suggests. Somebody here right now is reading the book, Seven Steps. I know it. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> That's okay. Let me back up right here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go home. Eventually. Go back to that scripture. And of Asher, he said, this is when Moses' blessing let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in the oil. Let him dip his foot in, his, in the oil. That's a representation of abundance. An abundance. You know, the air, air fryer is so much cleaner and the oil is so much dirtier. It's dirty. You get oil on everything. There's oil all over everything. It's just oily. It gets everywhere. It's oily. And he dips his foot in the oil right here, washing his feet in the oil. You know, if, if somebody comes in here right now, walks through here and walks out, unless I see you walk through, I don't know that you've actually walked through. But one time, there was somebody that came in here a few weeks in a row, and they tracked some stuff in on their boots. And Jackie would come up here, and, and her and Amanda, and they would clean, and Jackie would be on her hands and knees scrubbing where somebody had walked in and tracked stuff on the carpet. Guess what? I could tell where they had been because there was a track because there was oil on the boot. There was oil on the foot. He says, dip your foot in the oil right here. Wash your foot in the oil. See, that, that's, that should ring out volumes to you. 
See, when you have so much oil that you got it on your head, dripping off your beard, running down your garments just like Aaron, guess what? It's going to be messy. And when you go up in places, you're going to leave a track on the ground because you've got so much oil. Now you're washing your feet. They're going to be able to tell when you've been there. They might not even understand what's going on, but they're going to say, ooh-wee, that's something different about that guy. Did you notice? The guy that just came in here in the hardware store, not sure what it was, but he left the residue. He left some oil. Because he's messy, because he's saturated in oil. So they get up in your car, you ain't even got to pray for them. They just get close to you and just touch you. Kind of like getting in Peter's shadow. Let's bring out the sick people just in hopes that Peter's shadow falls on them. Because there's such an anointing that's on him. There's such an anointing on Apostle Paul that after he gets finished preaching, let's take his prayer show and let's chop it up and let's give it to people. Because just because they can't touch Jesus, maybe they can't touch him. But we can get something that has touched Jesus and touch you with it. And you come up in here, maybe you don't feel like you've touched Jesus, but you're sitting beside somebody that's so saturated and so oily and so fat and oil, you can't help but sit beside them and get some oil up on you. That's the way the church is supposed to be. We carry it to Walmart, we carry it to Publix, we carry it to work, you carry it to Napa, you carry it to the ball field, and you leave a residue, you leave some oil. Praise the Lord. I go touching up on people. I do. For that very reason, if I go around somebody that's sick, or I'm not sure how the people believe or whatever, the first thing I do is I just touch them. I touch them. I believe wholeheartedly there's a transfer of anointing that's coming from me to them. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't touch Jesus. She just touched something that had touched Jesus. I feel like I've touched Him. And I'll carry Him and I'll touch other folks. You know why? Fat and oily. It ain't easy being fat and greasy. (laughs) My daddy's sitting back there in the back. He may not remember this. I'm going to tell this. He probably won't like it, but it'll be all right. He had a friend named Ed one time. They got in a fight, and he beat up Ed. And he was telling me about it, about beating up Ed, and I was all proud and stuff. And he said, it ain't easy being fat and greasy. (laughs) Because Ed was a mechanic. And he was kind of overweight. He was fat and greasy. <laughs> Never forget it. Never forget it. Good times. Praise the Lord. That ain't the kind of fat and greasy I'm talking about, though. See, it is it, the kind of fat and greasy I'm talking about. It's easy to be that fat and greasy. Burden, lifting, yoke, destroying. Praise the Lord. Where in the world do we end? It's a mighty good question. I don't know. In the book of Luke, Jesus is sitting there. Some religious people are there with him. And this woman, she comes up in the house. She's got a bad reputation. And she falls down at the feet of Jesus. She starts weeping and she starts crying so many tears that she begins to wash His feet with her tears. And then she breaks open this flask of oil that was very valuable and she begins to anoint Jesus' head with oil. And the Pharisees are going, if He knew what kind of woman this was, if He knew what kind of past she had, He wouldn't let her touch His feet, wouldn't let Him anoint His head with oil. And Jesus is like, I came in your house. You didn't offer to wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. 
But this woman, she hadn't ceased, she hadn't quit weeping and crying and washing my feet with her tears and with her hair, and now she's anointing my head with this fragrance of this oil that's very valuable. And I look at that and think, oh, look at this. You got all these uh, church people, they got their suit and ties on, they're driving a Lincoln, they got their clergy shirt, and they pass around the offering tray. But they ain't got no oil. They ain't washing nobody's feet. They ain't anointing nobody's head with oil. But then here's this woman who does have a past, who's caught in the act of adultery, who's forgiven. And they said, if Jesus only knew, he did know. But she had some oil. And isn't it funny how they were hating on her? Isn't it funny how religious people who don't have any oil will go hating up on people who do have some oil? I make religious people mad all the time. Praise the Lord. It ain't about religion, it's about relationship. But that woman had some oil. Something was coming out of her. You know what, why it was coming out of her? Because she had been pressed and pressed and mashed and rejected and beat down. And it, through the pressing and through the trials and through the tribulation, through the rejection, it forces something else out of her, something greater out of her. She'll always really be remembered in Scripture for the one who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and anointed His head with oil. What are the Pharisees going to be remembered for? Being a brood of vipers. They all made the difference. Nothing against you if you got a Lincoln Town car. I just picture like churchy people with a suit and ties on driving a Lincoln. I don't know why. Nothing against a Lincoln. They might be driving a pickup truck. Dear Lord Jesus, I hope nobody's got a Lincoln. <clears throat> I didn't mean it like that. Probably rides pretty good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Matthew 25. Hello. There's ten virgins. He said, you better be ready. Hey, brides, you better be ready because your bridegroom's coming. Not sure when he's coming, you just got to be ready. You got your vessels, you got your lanterns. Make sure they're full of oil. And the Bible tells you that there's five foolish and five wise. And the five that were wise had their lanterns, but they also had a jar of oil. And in the wee hours of the night, guess what? The bridegroom shows up and they said, the bridegroom's coming. And the foolish one said, oh no, we don't have any oil. What are we going to do? Give us some of your oil. And they said, no, we can't share our oil because there may be not be enough. You have to go get your own oil. And they said, okay. And they ran to go get their oil. When they came back, guess what? The door had been shut and the wedding feast and the wedding party had already taken place. And the five wives with the oil were behind the door and the other ones got left out the door. And that's a picture of the church today. That's an indictment on the church today. He's coming. Don't get caught with an empty vessel. He ain't coming back from no skinny, dried up, no oil full of church. 
Y'all remember that movie Hoosiers when he's out there and he's telling the team what to do and it's the dad, the recovering alcoholic, and he says, don't get caught watching the paint dry. Don't get caught watching the paint dry. Don't get caught with your empty vessel. Praise the Lord. There's no need to. There's an abundance of oil. The tribe of Asher, here it is. All you've got to do is receive it. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You can't do it for the person next to you. You do it for yourself. It's easy. You just open your mouth and say, I want some more, Lord. I want some more. Jesus, I want some more. You fill me up with your anointing. I mean, talk to Him. You can do it in your kitchen, driving down the road. You can do it right now. Anna, come on up. You can do it right now. We are living in the last days when sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. We are living in those days. We're not living in the beginning. So how do you know it's the last days? Well, it's certainly in the first days. Because His Spirit is being poured out. And because you read the Scripture and study it, things are lining up. And as far as our government goes, it's as wicked and as crooked as it's ever been in the United States of America, at least in my lifetime. I don't know about before I was born. I can only go by history books. But I tell you, it's as wicked and as evil as it's ever been in the entire history of the United States of America right now. You're going to be murdering up on some babies and, and, and selling body parts. It's a wicked government. And it reminds me of the Assyrian government. Guess what? The yoke's going to be broken. And you know how the yoke's going to be broken? See, we've already lost a generation because we have a, a, a skinny old church with no oil up in it. It ain't an oily, fatty church. It's a skinny church. We've lost a generation, and we've about lost a nation because of it. The only thing that's going to turn things around this nation is people to get oily and fat. I hope this message is being preached around the world. I know from experience God puts things on preachers' hearts. Many times I've gone on the internet and I've found people in all over in different cities all over the country preaching the same type of message. Air fried. This ain't no air fried church right here. If you like air fried more than oil fried, then get out. We ain't going to let you be air fried. Well, I ain't going to let you be skinny up in here. You're going to be fat and greasy. Fat and oily. You're going to fill your horn with oil, just like Samuel. You can't run on empty, guys. You've got to have your oil filled with horn. Horn filled with oil. <laughs> the horn represents power. That's why they'd take that horn and they'd hollow it out, whatever tool they had back then. I'd use a drill. Hmm, they probably used something by hand. They'd hollow it out. They'd fill it with oil. That, oil rep that horn represented power. Anytime you see a horn in the Bible, it represents power. And they would hold that horn up and they'd pour the oil out and they'd anoint the head. It represents the power of the Holy Spirit upon the man's life and turns him into somebody else. And the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life will turn you into somebody else. Praise God. Let's stand up.